We're watching films on the toilet Cause that's what dads have to do When the movie's unsuitable for your kids Then pretend you need a number two If you need a break from your family or spouse There's a lavatorial picture house Watch Terminator 2 while you're sitting on the loo Enjoy the whole of Rambo 4 with your trousers on the floor We're watching films on the toilet How about you? It was really dull. Obviously couldn't go anywhere. I think went to sleep at quarter past ten. What about yourself? I ended up going to bed at about three o'clock. What? I took the kids out for a walk in the afternoon and because it was New Year's Eve, I bought them some chocolates and some crisps. And then we got back and my wife and I uh, bought them a pizza for their dinner and we gave them some Coke and big ice cream. Nice. <laughs> and so my daughter came down at about 11 o'clock just as we were going, thinking about going up to bed saying her stomach hurt. And we took her upstairs and my wife lay her on our bed and she was sick. Right. Fortunately, it was just the corner of the quilt. So my wife took care of my daughter and I started cleaning the quilt in the hope of trying to avoid having to wash all of it. Yeah. And just do this little corner. So I did a pretty good job and then she vomited all over the bed. Oh, God. Like everywhere. Oh, no. So seeped into the quilt. So everything had to be washed and I had to stay up till three in the morning putting on loads. Ugh. I kind of felt like a really appropriate way for 2020 to end. It's like one final d punch. This is Ryan Glover. Here are the facts. A337 model EEV crash landed here at all 600 hours. There was one survivor. That survivor was a woman. We are aware that this may cause some disruption. Because this prison planet is populated just with men, our toilets are an absolute disgrace. There are several that are so bad, I can't open the door without being sick. If this woman sees the state of our toilets, she's going to hit the roof. For the next 48 hours, we're going to clean every toilet in this facility. Also, air fresheners will be provided for the neutralization of my early morning dookie. Oh, also, there's an eight foot tall monster who is stalking the facility, violently killing prisoners one by one. But don't worry about that. Just crack on with the toilets. Ooh, spookiness. I like that. That's one of my favourite bits of the film, the uh, scary fanfare from 20th Century Fox. That's probably the best bit of the film that we're going to be talking about this week. It might well be. But let's not get into that. Let's say hello. Hello, everyone. Hey. So, Hun, what's your name? My name is Eamon. I'm not telling you my second name. What's yours? Yeah, same. You are called Eamon as well? <laughs> yeah, same. Yep, my name is Eamon. So it's the Eamon and Eamons, easy to remember. I know. It's almost like we should have called the podcast Eamon and Eamon. It's like the two Ronnies, but not sexist or racist. And not all the jokes are lists. <laughs> Some of the jokes are lists. Actually, they're a lot harder than they sound. Yeah, like the two Ronnies were actually very talented, weren't they? I can't come up with 20 comedy flavours of ice cream off the top of my head. Uh, I can. Oh, yeah? Uh, mud and pineapple. That is funny. Uh, ham and pineapple. Uh, a goose and pineapple. Patterns emerging. And um, some, oh, uh, chilli pineapple. And uh, green pineapple. 
And, um, oh, prawns and pineapple. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, see, easy. Two Ronnie's jokes on them. All right, cool. What, what, are we, what are we doing? I mean, people should know if they're listening to this. Oh, God, please don't make us say it again. Although, it'd be nice to get some new listeners. Well, yeah, I suppose. I tell you what, do you want to know what Eamon and Ben have been getting up to in the privacy of their toilet houses? Well, they've been watching films, of course. Join a couple of knackered old dads as they discuss movies they're not allowed to watch with their kids in a roundabout way. So that was actually the description above the podcast, which you could have read. And if you haven't read it, I've just read it for you. Brilliant. I was going to say that they had a fluidity that's usually missing from our off-the-cuff banter. And now, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And now, toilet news. Yeah, we need to get a little musical sting in there, don't we? Should we make one up now? Yeah, go on. Come on and listen to the toilet news. It's news about toilets and other things. Toilets! I think we might need to work on it. I'm loving that. That's becoming the jingo. <laughs> Shouted that. Yeah, every jingle finishes with someone shouting something, doesn't it? <laughs> every single one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all those adverts, isn't it? For mash, get smash, mash! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the John Lewis Christmas advert. John Lewis! Okay, so toilet news. I love this story. So this is about Woolworths. Which is the uh, shop in Australia, not the Woolworths that closed down in England. Woolworths shopper slams the supermarket after being sent adult nappies instead of toilet paper in Bizarre Bungle. Uh, Woolworths customer was shocked to discover her regular supermarket delivery of toilet paper had instead been substituted for adult nappies after panic buying returned to Sydney stores. I mean, so this is like... uh... You know, when you order your shopping and you wanted kidney beans, but they substitute it with uh, cannellini beans, for example. It's exactly the same. It's exactly like that. So you want a toilet paper, they don't have any, they give you adult nappies. I don't see a problem with that. I mean, I have to say, after a certain age, I seem to get, I've gone through this phase of getting like gastric flu. I've had it like three times. My children are both very young. And every time I've had it, I've seriously thought about constructing an adult nappy out of their child-sized nappies just to give me a degree of comfort. <laughs> like a Frankenstein nappy. So, you know, there are like these preppers who think the world's going to end and they'll like hoard water and rice and pasta and stuff. Yeah. I was wondering if it might be worth doing something like that, but... Uh, with adult nappies for when I next get gastric flu. That's not a bad idea. So you yeah. just stock them up in your... You got a basement? No basement, got, got a loft. You got a lounge? Yeah, I'm not, not... Yeah, nothing to be ashamed of. What's this pack of adult nappies doing, Eamon? I'm saving them for when I next <laughs> myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't think... There's no shame in that. I, the only thing that worries me is that it might become like a gateway drug and I enjoy the feeling so mm. much of being able to go whenever I want, that I'm unwilling to go back to pants. It's like a cost-benefit analysis. The best thing about wearing boxer briefs is that they're somewhat comfortable. Yeah. The best thing about wearing a nappy is that if you have an accident, no problemo. Is no. that not better? Does the benefit of the nappy not outweigh the, the comfort of the boxer briefs? Perhaps I'll start an online diary about wearing the adult nappies, and I'll keep you guys informed. Oh, that would be terrific. I'd be like, uh, you know, there was that gay rugby player who came out and everyone gave him loads of plaudits because it's such a macho sport 
and it was seen as, as a big deal. Perhaps I could be like that, but for adult nappies, I could be that person. Yeah, I mean, the whole like public eye thing, I think, made his announcement more important, I suppose. You're just a guy who talks a bit on a podcast who's decided that he wants to wear nappies. Well, Ben, <laughs> we have upwards of six Twitter followers, so... I beg to differ. Oh, that's true. You're right. You could make an impact on lots of people's lives. Do you think they'd give me a special award on Sports Personality of the Year for wearing a big nappy? The Sports Personality? Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? I'd have to do sports first. Do you play any sports? No. Probably not then. Why don't you take up a sport Mm -hmm. and then do it? It's a deal. Uh, Let's pick a sport for Eamon. I'll tell you what would be terrible for wearing a nappy. Unicycling. (laughs) Yeah, That would be rough. Well, then that's the sport, isn't it? Because that's the one that's going to make the biggest impact when you declare your need. Yeah, that's why I'm so brave. This guy wears adult nappies and he's chosen to cycle one of those really tall unicycles. Are you talking like the stump ones that are about 20 feet high? (laughs) That's right, yeah. It's such a popular sport, isn't it? It's really popular. I imagine imagine I'd do the rounds on local TV. At the very least, it would make for for an interesting interview. So what made you take up the giant (laughs) unicycle? What makes you? (laughs) Uh, Ah, jokes. Princess Anne mocked Prince Charles' role through toilet seat Christmas gift. In line with their German heritage, the royals usually open their presents on Christmas Eve and tend to have a strict rule about what gifts are allowed. The royal family prefer to give one another gag gifts. This was clear when the Princess Royal decided to give her brother a toilet seat for Christmas. Paul Burrell said, It's a public school upbringing, and why wouldn't Charles like a white leather loo seat from his sister Anne? He said, What is it we used to call the loo? We would call it the throne. You go and sit on the throne. So buying a leather-bound loo seat was really Princess Anne's way of saying, Here you are, you've got your own personal throne. Ben, what do you think about that hilarious joke? Yeah, I think, I think it's really, really funny. Do you ever watch The Crown on Netflix? Yeah, I watch The Crown. Good, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yeah, excellent. My favourite thing about The Crown this year is Gillian Anderson's Margaret Thatcher voice. Oh, amazing. Do you remember when she said, My son is missing? <laughs> She's got a, her hairdo, is, is, should get an award in itself. It's like a big ball. Looks like a really <laughs> luscious tumbleweed. I want it to blow off. <laughs> I wish the last meeting between the Queen and Margaret Thatcher ended with just like, the hair just blows off. <laughs> There's a bald head. My hair is missing. <laughs> it just blew up the hills around Balmoral. Just sort of rolled up one of those hills when they were hunting the deer. Okay, final piece of toilet news. Uh, here we go. What is it? <laughs> Fresh reading material for public toilet users. Shetland Library is launching a new round of Bards in the Bog, a popular project displaying poetry in public toilets. This round of Bards is being run for Book Week Scotland 2020. Winning poets will get £50 of book tokens, as well as publication of the poems online and in local toilets. Got any examples of the poems that we're talking about? I couldn't actually find one, but I've had a crack at writing one of my own. Oh, good. (laughs) It's simply called Toilet Town. Have you been to Toilet Town? Wear your best suit or shining gown. Drink deep in toilet town delights and dancing water closet nights. Shut tight your eyes and loose thine voice in toilet town's debauched rejoice. The toilet bowl is calling me. Come join me, friend, and then you'll see. 
stare deep into my toilet eyes. Come forth, young sir, and claim your prize. Paddy McGuinness this day has tread into this privy with his weird small head. He left an awesome steaming stool, thick and vile, bleak and cruel. Forever yours, this wretched soil, till you shuffle off this mortal coil. Cry not, sweet man, it could be worse than this woe-begotten dreadful curse. You could be forced to watch and see a Paddy McGuinness DVD. <laughs> wow. I thought that was wonderful. It made me feel quite warm inside. I mean, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but it sounds like something John Betjeman might write. Are you a poet laureate now? A poet toilet. I think you just lost the job. I just lost it. Oh, God damn. Yeah. They hate the awkward puns, don't they? The laureate team. Oh, they hate it. Because I said laureate. Is mm. it laureate? I don't know. Not going to... Uh... I'm not going to stop being your best mate just because you said laureate wrong. Thanks, bud. I mean, I might not have, but you know, I'll take I'll take the compliment. <laughs> Good. Thanks. And that stirring reading draws toilet news to a close. So, Ben, this is a two-hour-long film, so so not super short. How, how many sittings did it take you to to watch this? Well, you'll be pleased to know, Eamon, that I managed to do it all in one go this week. Woo! Because. I spent the night in my toilet. <laughs> so I got to watch the whole of Alien 3. So my toilet, I can't stretch my whole body in it. I just have to sit up. I had a quilt on the floor. I had a pillow on the door. I woke up the next morning with a really sore neck. Well, I haven't been able to turn my head very well since then. And actually, I took my family to the park today for a walk. Mm. Uh, while I put money in the parking meter, uh, my wife said something to me which I didn't really hear. I think it was, we're going to walk this way. Mm. And when I went to look for them, because I couldn't turn my head, I couldn't see where they'd gone. So I spent mm -hmm. 20 minutes walking, doing two loops of the park, looking for them. And uh, eventually we bumped into each other. So I basically went for a walk on my own, which is quite nice, I suppose. I did see a man fall on his back into a lot of mud, though, which was sad for the man, mm. but hilarious. How did he like react to it? Did he try and style it out? He was with a group of people, and I think he... He was going after his small child mm. who dodged the mud, but he went through it, whoop, mm. splat, really <laughs> covered. He got straight up and just kept going, yeah. trying to make it look as if nothing had happened. But he was plastered. <laughs> like the, his back was just mud. Oh. It was He was covered in mud. So hard to style it out when you're that coated in mud. You have two options. The first is just pretending it didn't happen like that guy. The second is yeah. a really theatrical overreaction as if you're <laughs> yeah. in on the joke where you go, oh, oh, oh look, at, look at what's happened to me. Oh, no. <laughs> or the third is to climb up a tree and do a Jesus backwards dive like Ripley does into the mud. <laughs> And then everyone's like, yeah, you sacrifice yourself for the mud. Oh, do you die when you do that? Oh, yeah, you die, oh, yeah. God. Well, it just goes to show stakes are high in watching films on the toilet. We're not kidding around. We sleep on the toilet for reals. We're, we're not playing, son. It's just a little respect. A little respect for this, this podcast, if you please. Or none. I don't care. What about yourself? How many sittings? <clears throat> well, fortunately, I had the luxury of sleeping in my bed all this week. <laughs> so I watched this in six sittings. Okay, that's I'd say that's fair. Okay, so time for the big wee summary. Hey oh 
Okay, so this week I had 16 bottles of Orange and Passion Fruit J2O. Wow. Which, if you grew up drinking in the early 2000s, I stropedoed them, Ben. Every one? Every single one. I remember back in the day, you know, you'd, you'd stropedo a reef. Well, you'd, you'd stropedo like three or four reefs, and then uh, a hot babe would come over to you and be like, hey, did you just stropedo all those reefs? Can I be your girlfriend? And you'd be like, yeah, right. I got another six reefs to stropedo. Then I'll make my decision. It's like the ultimate bad boy move. It's like that bit in The Lost Boys where Kiefer Sutherland stropedos all that blood from the wine bottle. <laughs> stropedo the wine, Michael. Lando Calrissian stropedos uh, some blue Star Wars milk. Well, that's before um, Han and his crew got there. You did all the stropedoing blue milk without me. Oh my God, that's an amazing impression. That's really good. Foghouse back in the building. Hey, oh. There it is, it's a Star Wars noise. Oh, love a bit of Foghouse. So, the net result of me stropedoing all that stuff like a total lad was that you've got a minute 28 for this summer wee. All right. On your marks, get set, go. Okay. So at the start of the film, there is a fire aboard the ship carrying Ripley and the other survivors from the film Aliens who are sleeping in their cryotubes. Their tubes are ejected in an escape pod which crash lands in Fiorina 161, a maximum security prison slash foundry inhabited by lots of English murderers. Uh, Ripley is woken up and told her fellow survivors are dead and that this prison is full of celibate bad men uh, and it's not a good place for her to be. So she shaves her head, and while her friend's bodies are cremated, an alien bursts out of a dog, which was attacked by the facehugger from the escape pod. The alien starts killing the prisoners, but it doesn't kill Ripley when it has the chance. Suspicious. And after the public death of the prison warden, the men realise what they're dealing with. So they try to get rid of the alien despite not having any weapons, which doesn't go well. And then Ripley discovers there's a queen alien embryo inside her and that Waylon yutani sent, who sent a rescue ship their way, is planning to use the alien to make biological weapons. Ripley wants to be killed, but instead she's convinced to help the surviving prisoners kill the alien first. So they run around lots of tunnels and eventually drown it in molten lead. Well, they try to, but it jumps out. So they pour cold water on it and it shatters like the T-1000 in Terminator 2, also in a foundry. Uh, then Lance Hendrickson arrives with the Whalen yutani crew and he tries to convince Ripley they'll take the alien out of her so she can have children and lead a normal PTSD-free life, but she doesn't believe them and she throws herself into a lake of molten lead, killing herself and the little alien queen. The end. Woo! Wow. Did I do it? Did I do it? Bad news, I'm afraid, Ben. I forgot to time it. <laughs> I really tried. Oh, yeah, sorry. Knew there was something I forgot to do, so... Oh, my God. Now we'll never know. It's not like we recorded it. Okay, well, hang on. Here we go. Well done, Ben. That was within the time. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ben, that wasn't within the time. Oh, excellent. Okay, there so we, we can use... Bases we'll covered. use them. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, and but... I'll say, yes, or, oh, no, I'll try harder next time. So, Ben... What do you think about this old film? There's there's a lot to say, isn't there? Yeah. I'll start by saying I think it's probably Sigourney Weaver's best performance as Ripley. Okay. The way she shows how broken she is at the beginning of the film. And then she eventually manages to take control of her fate and saves the universe. Um, and I think the way that she 
plays all that out in that short space of time is quite incredible. I also think that her character is one of the big problems in the film. So she spends the first half catching up with the viewer. She's trying to find answers to questions that we already know the answer to. We know mm. there's an alien on the ship and it takes her half of the film to catch up, which yeah. I think is a complete waste of time. After that, there's that incredible scene where the alien doesn't attack her. That image I remember was seared into my brain when I was, yeah. you know, like 12 years old. That was the one I saw on all the posters. And it's a brilliant scene. But the problem is, shortly after that, she finds out there's the alien inside her. And then, mm. when we know that the alien isn't going to hurt her anymore, mm. the alien is not scary anymore at all. Yeah. And because we don't care about any of the other characters, which we can get into in a minute, it makes that whole climax just pointless. And then also sort of knowing that she wants to die. We yeah. find that out very early on. Yeah. So we know that's going to happen. And it just means that I feel like a lot of the drama was sacrificed for religious symbolism. Just Alien 3, the theatrical cut. How do you yeah. feel about it? Aliens did the impossible by being a fantastic sequel to yeah. a brilliant horror movie. And the way that was done was by making yes. an action movie. And if you watch the first film, Sigourney Weaver becomes the protagonist at the end of the film when there's no one left. Up until that point, it's an ensemble piece. James Cameron made Sigourney's character pivotal to the entire yes. plot. It was about her uh, trying to cure this deep-rooted trauma she had by revisiting the site of that trauma it's a perfectly enclosed two-film arc. I feel like all of Ripley's story has been told. So I just feel like when, when Hicks and Newt are killed in the EEV crash, it just creates a sense of despondency that yes. the film never shakes. It's so gloomy. I just kind of feel like that bleakness stems from the fact that you, they basically try to, to create a story for Ripley that just isn't there and there's no one else to feel sorry for because you don't get to know anyone as soon as you find out that all the characters are murderers and rapists yeah it's always going to be very difficult to yeah sympathize with them the one nice character charles dance mm -hmm. he dies halfway through which is a great scene and it's shocking but after that you just don't care about anybody in terms of the other characters okay you had charles dance amazing actor yeah. charles dutton Great actor. Paul McGann, yep. Brian Glover, Ralph Brown, Danny Webb, Pete Postlethwaite. All brilliant actors. And yep. they're so criminally underused. It's insane. In, in Aliens, Vasquez does some pull-ups. And mm -hmm. Bill Paxton's like, oh, man. And <laughs> they're all great characters who we care about when they die. But in Alien 3, they all die. And that's it. And we don't care. They cared so little about what happened to them. You actually hear a few people screaming off screen. And that is apparently <laughs> supposed to suffice as that character's dead now. <laughs> it's just not good enough. It's just it's terrible. Not. It was a very turbulent yeah. production all the way. There were so many different scripts written. You had William mm. Gibson. He did this kind of Cold yeah. War company against company. Apparently there was going to be one at some point when Ridley Scott was about to be back mm. on board, which was kind of like Blade Runner. My favourite idea was uh, Vincent Ward. He was a uh, cult New Zealand filmmaker. And his idea was yeah. to have a wooden planet occupied by monks. Yeah. A planet made of wood a mile high. And each floor yeah. has a different order of monks on it. And it has an atmosphere so thin 
on the top, you could actually poke your head above it and look out into space. It's just just so crazy <laughs> visually. It would have been like a spectacular failure that I would have loved to have watched. Yeah, it would have looked crazy. I like the idea of going to B&Q, buying loads of wood. So, oh, what, what are you buying all that wood for, hmm. for a bird? Go and build a planet, mate. Go make a planet a mile high. Get out of my way. <laughs> How about you get back to, you know, selling the wood and I'll get back to making planets. <laughs> yeah, because they're usually expecting you to be like, oh, pop into a shelf. Not a shelf this time, mate. Building a planet. What do you got to say about that? Have you built one of those? Don't think so. <laughs> In the concept art for the Vincent Ward version, part of the story was, for some reason, the, the arrival of the alien messes up the DNA mm. of a lot of the animals on the planet. So if you Google uh, Vincent Ward Alien 3 concept art, you'll get all these amazing pictures. So there's like a little alien imp. There's the body of a horse with an alien head. And then there's a sheep with an alien head and a a human (laughs) face on its bum. I swear to God, that is... What? I'll put it on the um, the Twitter feed. But that's one of the images that crops up. So, I mean, who would not want to see an alien sheep with a human face on its bum? I would. Sounds amazing. I mean, it, it sounds scarier than the alien in the film. Uh, let me say some good things about this. David Fincher was, I think, 28 or 29 when he came aboard to at least to discuss directing it. That is wild. So, I mean, that's incredible. So, first of all, he's inc- incredibly young. Second, he didn't have a, sh- a script to work with because they were changing no. it up until the point of shooting, which is yeah. even the most experienced director would really struggle with and and despite all of that he still makes a film that's shockingly good looking i think it's one of the most atmospheric alien films it's incredible the sets are amazing i think a lot of the deaths are really good i think it's maybe my favorite alien death i think the soundtrack is brilliant so there is i mean there's definitely good things in here for me it's all about that the scene where charles dance dies and then the alien gets all up close to Ripley. I think that's one of the best scenes in the whole franchise. Yeah. But what happens on either side of that doesn't really work at all. I did feel for Ripley's character. Obviously, she's lost her family and she's alone in this unknown, threatening place. Mm. It reminded me of the time we went on a school trip to France uh, when we were at secondary school. We were driven to this little French village and we all went off to buy our flick knives and explosives. And I got left behind. So the coach drove off without me and I was left in this little French village. I found some old French people. Mm. Obviously, you know, you go on a school trip to France, you don't speak any French. I didn't speak French. Mm. I just tried to look very sad and said the word lost 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 over and over again they had no idea what i was saying and they walked off i walked back to the place where i thought the coach would be and eventually came back and got me i think it was probably about 45 minutes i was just stranded in in france and i didn't know you know much like ripley is stranded in in that prison seamless it's the same thing isn't it are you comparing old french people to violent diddlers in a space prison (laughs) not sure if you can say diddlers what about perverts? No, diddlers. <sighs> French diddlers. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong, what's wrong with that? Know. No, because I'm, so, I'm not talking about the French people. I said you're comparing the French people to the diddlers in the prison. I didn't call the French people diddlers. Did you not also get 
uh, lost another time and a man drove you in his car somewhere. That does ring a bell. You've not blanked it out, have you? I might have done. Yeah. That does ring a bell. I'm sure you told me once. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think I might have blanked it out. I mean, obviously, there was also the time that the anvil dropped on my head. Yeah. Um, and that I don't remember very well. I mean, that's understandable. An old anvil mm. drops on your noggin. A huge, a huge metal anvil. Yeah. I mean, what they could have done at the end of Alien 3 is just dropped an anvil on the alien. I'd love that. They did work in a foundry. They could have very easily made an anvil. I know how heavy and hard they are because I've got the Kevin Bacon-like scar to prove it. It would have been a more inventive end scene if they'd spent just a bunch of time in the foundry making loads of anvils, which they could strategically drop at any time. Yes. So you just have a bunch of people with a bunch of cables and Ripley shouting out, Anvil 7! And someone would yank a cable and the anvil would go bang. It should be, ooh, close. They could have made them slightly different sizes as well, so they all make different noises. And it plays a tune. So you get a sort of boom, 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 boom. That would Ooh, be really cool. that'd be lovely. You could play the uh, the alien theme tune. Go on, do it in anvils. Going. Aliens, right? That's the alien theme tune. I think I would have appreciated the efforts of the prisoners more if they'd spent time fashioning anvils yeah. rather than just running around closing doors and hoping that they trapped the alien in. I always think about this now, the geography of a given situation. Goodness me. What I imagine happened is they built all these enormous sets and the studio got really worried about all the money that was being spent. So for this last set piece, they could only afford to build one corridor and one door. And they just filmed it at multiple different angles and with different actors. Because you have no idea or any sense who is where and what's going on. No idea. So as a viewer... You can't possibly comprehend in what degree of danger the characters are in. And it's a really simple fix, which is actually they use it in Aliens, is they just look at a, a map of the building yeah. and they go, yeah, there you go. we're here, <laughs> the aliens are here. Yeah. So we need to close off these bits here, here and here and then yeah. go this way. And they even do it, they do it in Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah. Yeah, they, they set out a scene where you see the fingers going, well, we have to go over here and then yeah. here. You shall not go there. Get out of my way, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gandalf's classic line there. So, Eamon, would you flush Alien 3 or would you fish it out of the bowl, keep it on your chest, much like Ripley holds the alien queen before she falls into the molten lead it sounds like an easy decision because i spent the the entire podcast slagging it off but yeah i feel very conflicted because i do love this franchise essentially the first two films and i think there is stuff to like about this film if it were the extended assembly i would probably fish it out because Mm. i feel there's a bit more going on but this as it is I think I'd have to flush it. It's just not. It's just not good enough. Yeah. Um, and I say that with a very heavy heart. What about you? Yeah, I can say without a particularly heavy heart that I would flush it. Yeah. Um, it's just not. Alien and Aliens are 
yeah, this league of their up own, up there with the best, yeah, with the best of all the films, mm -hmm. and this is not. And there are parts of it I enjoy. So no, just toss it out, toss it, toss it in the bowl, flush it down the pipe, gone. Where would you take this franchise next? It, do you, I mean, do you think it is only the two films, or do you think this could go beyond what it currently is? I'd like to see the Fast and the Furious franchise mm. merge with the Aliens franchise. I had one where there's a bunch of kids turn up at a beach and yeah. they want to go out surfing, but they're kicked out the sea by a bunch of aliens who are also surfing. <laughs> right. And they're like, get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, you bums. And is one of them, is one of them a sheep with a human's face on its bottom that's the uh the comedy side is that the one that tells them to where to go because aliens can't talk can they yeah the alien just goes <laughs> the human face says to the alien turn me around <laughs> and he shuffles around his surfboard and he just goes you get out of here this is our turf yeah alien anvil the surf the surf bum story okay only one thing Flushed. left ben only one thing left to do Top five movies of your choice. Top five! Yeah, there you go. Just like the adverts. Okay, so this week we are going to guess each other's top five prison movies. And that's movies set in a prison. So not movies with the theme of imprisonment. For example, Ryan Reynolds Buried, mm, um, which you mm. could argue he is in prison. No, films set in a prison for at least, I would say, 70% of the film okay do you want to go first okay so i'm gonna guess your prison films all right i'm gonna go with the great escape yeah <laughs> yes yeah yes. yeah it's really it's really good it's a great film yeah. yeah okay so i'm gonna guess for you and this is a uh double it's the one that i've got shawshank yeah shawshank it's gotta be there's a lot of hate for shawshank i don't really understand why because it's a really good film it's like and you don't need to pretend like you don't like right. it because you think you're cool it's like liking you know? coldplay they're good just get over it. And uh, just like that, we lost 10 subscribers. And there's only one way for us to get them back. Kill Chris Martin? Hey, don't. Hey, you can't kill me. That's a good impression. Boghouse. Do a sound. Um, what is it? Boop, boop. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, another guest for me. Uh? Papillon? I have put Papillon. Yes, well done. Yeah. <sighs> All right, I'm going to go for you, Midnight Express. Yes. Yeah, a harrowing but brilliant film. Is that two all? Oh, no. But how many guesses have we had? Two, two each. each. We're killing it. This would be a double. Bronson. No. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, cool Hand Luke. Yes! Yay! <laughs> oh, God, not again. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, well done. You've won. One, one time. Take cover! You'll never be Foghouse. <laughs> you may have won this. You'll never be Foghouse. Oh, in your face. Yeah, you're... In your up your what? <laughs> <laughs> up your face. Okay. At least, at least my face isn't on a sheep's bum. Well, sadly mine is. Listeners will never know that, but that's our yeah. secret. Okay, mm -hmm. so what were the rest of your films? 
So you had Cool Hand Luke, which is just Paul Newman. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You don't get movie stars like him anymore. Midnight Express, Shawshank Redemption, Bronson, and Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is a Vince Vaughn starring movie action film. Incredibly violent. Is that where he has the bald heat? Yes, he's got the bald heat. He he rips apart a car with his bare hands at the start. (laughs) And yeah, it's great. Cool. So mine were Great Escape, Shawshank, Papillon, Bridge on the River Kwai, and American History X. It's American History X a prison. He's in prison for half of it. Well, let our listeners decide on Uh what it'll be. So, Ben, another evening stay in your toilet, my friend. Oh, good. I enjoy that. I'm looking forward to not being able to turn my head again. (laughs) That'll be fun. All right, Ben. Well, I have won yet again. Yay, good for you. I'm so happy. Yeah, in the middle of a Red Hot's winning streak. A long <sighs> may it continue. So I've chosen 1989 buddy cop action comedy, Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester, Tango and Cash. Starring Sylvester Sloan and Kurt Russell. Good, yeah. You be Tango and I'll be Cash. Tango is the Sylvester Sloan, the uptight one. You're the oh, laid-back yeah. Kurt Russell type makes sense i'm practically lying down they're so on brand for you ben so that's it isn't there we it? go all right we'll look forward to that okay you know any apologies you'd like to make at the end or uh no apologies i'd like to double okay. down on my diss of paddy mcginnis please okay fine i think i think he can take it um, his tiny you know. weird head oh so creepy yeah <laughs> Well, thank you again for listening to another one of our podcasts. If you'd like to praise us on the social medias, um, we are on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Films on Toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of that as Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, Films on Toilet, and hopefully you'll remember. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, we can't use the word toilet, so just look for us or something. Yeah. If you could subscribe to our podcast, oh. I think that's the... That's the best thing. I would apparently. love that if you did it. Come on. Oh, wouldn't you? Give wouldn't us you a subscribe, that? mate. Oh, please. Oh, mate. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And, Eamon? Yeah? Knock us off. <laughs> <laughs> knock this podcast off the rails. Here which I go. Is where it belongs. Brace yourselves. Keep flushing. Perfect. Bye-bye. Bye.